0: Thank you. Okay, let's pray. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, once again, we uh, come before you. We acknowledge your presence in our midst in a beautiful way. But beyond that, Lord, we also acknowledge your authority in our lives, in our hearts, in this church, in this place. And also, we, we acknowledge the authority of your word. Lord we ask you father as we open our hearts in in as we humble ourselves and open our hearts to uh, approach your word we pray for an outpouring of your spirit that will touch every fiber of our being lord because the truth that is contained in your in in your word is so great that we no mind can comprehend but we know that your spirit is able to transfer the truth of your word to transform us as your people. This we ask, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's all go to uh, John chapter 5, the gospel of John chapter 5. I'm going to read from verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool in which in Aramaic is called Bethesda. Bethesda means literally a house of mercy. Interesting. And which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Verse 3. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie. You know, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. It's a long time. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned, I'm, I'm sure learned as in you know, Jesus discerned by the Holy Spirit, that he had been there in this condition for a long time. And he asked him, do you want to get well? It's an interesting question we'll, we'll unpack later because... <laughs> Jesus walked into the pool of Bethesda. Many people are sick, and Jesus saw this man. And uh, it's like he asked the obvious questions, like you know, "Do you want to get get well?" So like, um, so the, the the guy answered in verse seven. Sir, the invalid, uh, invalid replied, "I have no one to help me into the pool when the water when the water is stirred." While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And uh, and then in verse 8, Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and the Lord forbids you to carry out your mat. But he replied, the man who made, made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who had told you to pick, up your, pick, up, pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. By way of introduction, I would like you to, uh, let's just say after me, all scripture, come on, let's say, all scripture is inspired by God, and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's a scripture that I think every Christian should memorize, and it says that all scripture is inspired by God. As a matter of fact, that's, that's a statement of Paul in Second uh, Timothy chapter three verse sixteen, and Peter actually said that, that no scripture, no prophecy of scripture, came about by men's or prophets' own interpretation of things. But prophecy, because prophecy didn't come or didn't have its origin from men's intention. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as he was carried along by the Holy Spirit. So in other words, when we read scripture, it's, it's all about something that is inspired by the Holy Spirit. What has that got to do with what we just read? Well, put it this way. You know, in, at the end of uh, the Gospel of John, John wrote that many things that Jesus did, I didn't record. If I record everything that Jesus did, there's no book in, in, on earth will, will be enough to contain everything that Jesus did. In other words, John had to be selected, you know, had to be selective in what he, in all the different things that Jesus did. And uh, sometimes, you know, I was uh, sometimes I would say to people, when you read the Bible, it's not having the answer in front of you but asking the right question. So my question is, if, in other words, when John, John wrote the Gospels, he had to be very selective in what to put and what to leave out and what, what, what story to put in. And obviously, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit, according to the Scripture that we just quoted together. He was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this thing. And I sometimes ask the question, why the Holy Spirit would inspire John? Because it's, it is a unique story. This is uh, in the Gospel of John. And uh, the pool, and the, the, the way the, the setting of the story is that it, it is in the pool of Bethesda, very close to the temple. And uh, it's it's a place where the official Judaism did not approve superstition, okay, associated with the claim that healing comes from this pool. Because in that situation, healing shrines pretty much are char- characteristic to the, uh, the pagan cults. But there is a belief that every now and then, apparently, in this pool, an angel would come and would stir the, the water... And whoever jumps in first would uh, would be healed, but according to research, it's just a spring. And in, in the spring, every now and then there's a there's a stir. I mean, a typical, the natural natural part of the spring water is that every now and then there will be a stir in the water. But they took it as an angel stirring the water, and it is the pool where people actually before offering the offering their sheep into the temple they would wash their sheep in the, in that spring water so guess what most Jewish the upper class Jewish who try to be you know try to keep themselves pure before God before going to the temple would never approach this type of place it's filled with because of the superstition filled with sick people the lame the all those guys so not many people would come to that place but Jesus did isn't that interesting? Jesus did. And uh, and I thought it was really interesting. Why didn't Jesus go to everybody? Why did Jesus single out this particular person? If you want to learn about Jesus. Every time you read, read the gospel, I always, always think, what can I learn about Jesus? So I thought, there are the lames, the the... The, the blinds, and then this guy actually, is, he's not paralyzed because he said in this story, before, before you know, when the water is stirred, but by, by the time, obviously he was weak, he was disabled, but he was able to walk, so he's not paralyzed. So he said, every time I want to go to the, to the water, somebody else got in because they had helper, because I don't have any helper. So I, I thought, why would Jesus single him out? Possibility is this, typical Jesus. The others, obviously, according to the story, according to the confession of the man, that they have helpers to help him. So Jesus would come to the one with no helper, you see. Totally bypass all the other guys. They've got their helpers, so they don't need anything. But Jesus would come to the person who really, really desperately needed the the healing. And it's really interesting that when Jesus came, obviously Jesus would have known the story because the the tradition of the people, what people believe about this water. Jesus didn't come, what are you doing believing in this water? You know, rebuking him and sort of highlighting that, you know, yes, that's your problem. You're believing in superstition. Blah, 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 blah. No, Jesus just came and start to meet the man's needs and uh, offered him something. Like I said before, interesting, Jesus came to him and said, do you want to get well? The obvious answer from the man that I, I would expect is like, hang on, Jesus, do you think so? I mean, look this, look at this, look at this, you know, I'm here, like, Jesus asked the obvious question, like, of course we all need to be healed. We all need to get well. But I believe there's a reason why Jesus would ask that question, because the question that Jesus gave triggers an answer from the man that revealed what the, where the man is at. Do you want to be well? And then the man answered in verse 7, instead of saying yes or no he just said he started to tell the whole story i have no one to help me into the pool and when the water and when the water was stirred no one came to help me and while i'm trying to get in someone else goes down ahead of me two things that i think that pre- preoccupy the man number one is the water <laughs> his focus is on the water. Number, number two. His excuse is the helper. Two things. I need the water. I need the pool. And the helper. He could not see beyond the water as the solution for his healing. That's it. He was so caught up. In his situation, so Jesus' uh, following statement pretty much settled the issue. He said, "Get up, pick up your mat, and walk." He didn't have a discussion with the man about the water or the helper. He just said, "Get up, pick up your mat, and walk." As if to say, "Neither do you need help helpers." nor the water, just get on with it, pick up your mat, and walk. All you need, simply, just my word. And the Bible says, the man got healed immediately. Immediately. So the healing has to do with the word of God. And here's the thing, as I, rec- as I look closely it even as I read the story, even the fact that it has nothing to do with the man's faith because there's no faith occurred in this situation. Because it says, as soon as Jesus spoke, he walked. And then it says, then he picked up his mat and started walking. Started, you know, pick up, pick up his mat and, and, then, and then left. Because it says immediately after Jesus spoke, the man got healed. And another thing is, as I read, I thought, there's absence of faith, but also there's absence of thankfulness on the man's part. It was as if the man was so consumed with his own healing that he lost sight of the healer himself. You know, sometimes we sort of, when we go through life, we all go through situations, we go through whatever. Life sometimes doesn't go the way we expect them to go. Doesn't work out the way we would like it to work out for us. And often we get caught up in that situation and we are so preoccupied with our situation. We just forgot why we're living for like that song. We just say, we live for God. We just trust God. The man was sort of like that. He was so preoccupied with with the situation and he actually even forget to thank Jesus. But here's the thing. While the the, the guy lost sight of the healer, the healer himself lost sight of himself because he disappeared into the crowd, couldn't care less. Like, I've healed you. Man, if that was me, probably... I heal this man, guys. Guys, God move. You know, look. I'm the healer. <laughs> you know, but Jesus just like healed the man. As a matter of fact, and just disappeared to the crowd. Didn't draw attention to himself. So here's the thing. In verse ten, when you read it, and Jewish leaders came. Obviously, we know the story of the Bible. If you read the Bible, they always get caught up in the religious, you know, tradition and all those things, protocols. So they say, hey, this is Sabbath. What are you doing carrying your, your mat? Imagine yourself just got healed. 38 years, you were lame, invalid. And in the moment, you got healed. All right, in a moment, and the Jewish leader, you put yourself in this man's place. A Jewish leader came and said, what are you doing carrying your mat? This is Sabbath, Sabbath day. I think if that was me, after 38 years not being able to walk properly and waiting for the solution, and in a moment, in an instant, the solution came by one man named Jesus, if the police came to me and said, what are you doing? I said, you don't understand. I just got healed. You know, it would be a full-blown testimony. I would lose sight of myself. So like I, used, I would tell the whole story. I, was, I couldn't walk, and this man just spoke the word. And, you know, I would give the whole testimony. Instead, it was, it was a very casual sort of statement from the man. Oh, the guy who made me well, he told me to. There was no testimony. There was no story. He told me to carry the, the man. Like I said, the man was so caught up in his own issue, he lost sight of his healer. Then a short time later, Jesus saw him in the area. And uh, Jesus said to him in verse 14, later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. I believe Jesus knew what was, what's going on in this guy's heart. And uh, so Jesus came back to him just to warn him. He said, so you're well now. Stop sinning or something worse might happen to you. I want to clarify this. All right. Obviously in this situation, according to Jesus' statement, because of his sin, he must somehow he got sickness because of his sin. But not every sickness is because you've committed sin somewhere. Because if you read, because even Jesus doesn't believe that. If you read in John chapter uh, nine about a man born blind, the first questions when G- when the disciples saw this man born blind, the uh, the disciples asked Jesus, you know, is this his sin or his father's sin? Jesus said, neither. So let me just clarify that. In this situation, it is obvious it was something to do with the man's sin that he got sick. But it's not always the case. Because even Jesus denied that in chapter 10 concerning a man born blind. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, neither his father's sin, neither his sin, but the glory of God must be revealed. Wow. Because the Bible the Bible shows some people do get sick immediately because of their sin. Like for example, in the Old Testament, the story of Miriam, when when she talents the leadership of Moses, immediately she got leprosy. There you go. But in this situation, so Jesus warned this man. He said, unless worse thing might happen to you. Uh, I doubt that Jesus would would say maybe worse sickness might happen to you. Because if you read the whole passage, Jesus started talking about eternal life and and, and eternal condemnation. If you read the whole passage, the whole chapter. So obviously Jesus was talking, if you continue sin, it's not just going to cost you a physical thing, but it's going to cost you eternal life. I believe Jesus was saying that. And my thing is like, it was as if the man, like as we, as we can see, there's lack of faith, lack of thankfulness. If anything, there's presence of self-preservation because if you compare this story to the man born blind, he was challenged also by the le- uh, religious leader. As a matter of fact, he was standing in front of the religious leader to, to to testify, he defended Jesus. And they said, no, and when the religious leaders challenged the validity of Jesus' mission, they said, no, this man can't be used by God. And you know what the, the blind man said? Well, I don't know whether this man is used by God, but all I know is once I was blind, now I can see. What do you care? It's like, you know, I was once blind, now I see. And for all I know, nobody, unless they're used by God, can heal a man born blind. And the guy just started preaching to the leaders of the Pharisees. Whereas this guy, in verse 15, after meeting with Jesus, it says that in verse 15, he went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. The, the correct word, he, wasn't, he didn't just tell, he said, he went away, And in Greek word, and reported to the Jewish leaders. He reported Jesus. Wow. I thought, man, sometimes we are so caught up in our own issue that, like this man, it was like he was preserving himself, he didn't want to be vulnerable when he was challenged by the Jewish leaders, whereas the blind man in, in chapter 9, he couldn't care less about the leaders. I'm healed. That settles the issue. The guy healed me. Whereas this guy, it was like he was more about protecting himself than actually just give a testimony. You don't have to, you don't have to defend Jesus. Just tell the story. What's so hard about that? So my question is this. What do we learn about Jesus in this situation? You know, the Bible says Jesus knows what's in the heart of man. Obviously, when Jesus approached him, Jesus knew what's going on with this man. What do we learn about Jesus? He healed him anyway. <laughs> really. Jesus knew the outcome, what was going to be. He healed him anyway. Brief me the scripture in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, where Jesus said, But the Father who causes the sun to rise on the evil, or causes He sends His rain, or He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and sends His rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And Jesus' job, he is God, become a man, and he, in his ministry, that's exactly what he did. Knowing what kind of a man he was facing with and knowing that the guy was desperate, he met his need, regardless of what the outcome might be. What lesson can we learn from this? Can I have the band, please? Let's just let's just sing that that song, Um, that last song that you guys did. We're living in a society where, sure, we live in a democratic society. And one of, one of one of the it's great to be in a democratic society. It's a free country, great. But I want to say this: in a way, it's also a disadvantage being in a democratic society and be a Christian. Let me tell you why: because it is difficult to grasp the kingdom principle with a democratic mindset. Really. I'll say it again. It is difficult to grasp or appreciate kingdom, especially kingdom of God principle with a democratic mindset. Because in a democratic mindset, this is the language of everybody. It is my democratic rights. right. Right? <laughs> we always talk about our, you know, the human rights, you know, all that, you know, they're all good. Human rights and, uh, you know, equalities and all those things is, and, and everybody's fighting for their rights. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, it's about privileges and responsibilities. We don't have any rights. So uh, we are we are highly trained in this way that somehow, somewhere, you know. One of the thing about discipleship, the difficult part of it, discipling people, is that we are trying to train people or trying to undo this thing in the idea that somebody owes me something because it is it is within my rights, whether it's the government or whether it's my boss or it's my pastor or somebody, my parents somebody owes me something because they didn't give me what is rightfully mine. And often we, we have to be careful that we, we are so caught up in our needs that we forget to live a thankful life. You know how powerful thankful, thankful life is? Making it, make it a, a, a lifestyle. Just to be thankful for everything. I remember during the DMS uh, week, I was sitting in in the in in the hotel because we we live in Sherbrooke, and so we so we can focus and all those things. We stayed in the hotel for five days. And I was having breakfast, just watching the tram, you know, and Cotham Road, just watching the tram going back and forth and watching people as I was having breakfast. And all of a sudden as I was having breakfast, the 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 imagery of me having breakfast when I when I grew up in Ambon, in the, the island of Ambon. And I my mom could only afford i couldn't even eat rice for breakfast so to to go make it go a long way my mom would make it turn rice into porridge because you just add water then it becomes you know like bigger portion so so we i had porridge porridge and sugar that's it every morning the image came to me as a poor boy and i and i, I sat there and i said lord jesus thank you actually, that I even have the privilege to sit here. Here I am, a poor boy from the island of Ambon, and just sit here in the most liberal city in the world having breakfast in the hotel. Really, good breakfast. And I just, I was really touched. I thought, God, you've taken me a long way. You know? And you know, it's biblical because God even said that to David when he sinned against uh, Uriah and Uh, Bathsheba, God said, you were a shepherd. You were the least of your family, and your family is the least in your clan. But I've taken you to become a king. And God said, what you've done is evil. Had you asked me for more, I would have given it to you. But like, you've lost sight of where you came from. And I, I think as Christians, if you want to become the most attractive people in the world, it's not your gifting. It's not your talent. It's your attitude. You mix with people. Listen, I'm not talking about positive thinking. I'm talking about thankfulness. I need to be positive. No, 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 Listen. It, it goes beyond that. It's about thankfulness. When people see you in, in the midst of situation, a difficult situation, and that, that is still gratitude, I, I, I'm thankful that I've got my health. I'm thankful that I've got my life. You know, Jesus doesn't need our thankfulness. He doesn't. It's for our sake. It makes you a better person makes you more attractive when you're thankful. Let's all stand up. Thank you, Jesus.